Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Last week, So Young International, that's S-O dash Y-O-U-N-G, in case you had trouble finding the filing like I did, went IPO on the NASDAQ, raising over $166 million. So Young, his Chinese name is Xin Yang, or New Oxygen, has a mission to bring health and beauty to everyone as the most trusted technology company in the broader consumption healthcare service industry. What the heck does that mean, you ask? In plain language, So Young is an internet company that markets and facilitates plastic surgery and other medical cosmetic procedures to Chinese customers. That's right. It's basically an app that gives you expert content so you can ask questions and do research. It provides you with a social community so you can get some support and further advice. And once you're pretty sure you know what you want, you can use the reservation function to actually book the procedure. In total, it's raised about $250 million or so in venture capital, including some from Tencent back in its Series C. Last year, it made $90 million in revenue, which was more than a dozen times more than its revenue just two years ago. It also made $8 million of net income and claims to have a market share, in terms of time spent on similar apps at least, of 82%. Maybe that's why investors are positive on the company. After pricing at $13.80 per ADS last week, it's now trading at about $20, which is a respectable jump. Yeah, especially when you consider the performance of other recent Chinese IPOs. I'm talking about Douyu, the subject of our episode 43. Douyu announced its IPO around the same time, but has had to push back its debut plans due to market uncertainties. It's a volatile world out there. What makes Soyoung different from the other Chinese companies we've been covering? Ruhan, the influencer marketing company, was also a category leader and the first like it to go IPO in the US. But It's since stayed well below IPO price. Are you telling me, Ray, that the plastic surgery market is bigger than the influencer marketing market? Well, what if I did? The medical cosmetology market is indeed huge. And again, China, while not necessarily the largest market by size, Americans are still spending more money on plastic surgery than any other country. China seems to be leading in terms of how well the industry has integrated with technology, especially mobile internet. Yet another consumer internet segment in which Chinese entrepreneurs have uncovered some unique opportunities. Well, let's not waste any time and get right to it. How are Chinese people keeping so young and more beautiful? President's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after a whole night thinking, I say, I still want to do it. Hi, everyone. 
everyone. We are Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Cinecode Podcast Network. We are a bi-weekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage, so you can be smarter about the world of China tech. Tech Buzz China is a part of PanDaily.com. An English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Rayma, and I'm your other co-host, Yingying Liu. We'd like to acknowledge our partners, Deal Street Asia and SubChina, the creator of the Sinica Podcast Network. In addition to Tech Buzz, you can also find Sinica, which covers current affairs, new voices on women, the business-oriented China Econ Talk. And the Taishin Sinica Business Brief from China's leading business magazine. Speaking of Deal Street Asia, their annual private equity and venture capital conference, Asia PEVC Summit, is set to take place on the 17th and 18th of September this year. To register, go to their website at dealstreetasia.com. And speaking of conferences, I will be in New York City on Monday, May 20th, for the third annual SubChina Women's Conference. Come and listen to top leaders discuss how women are impacting China's tech, business, financial, and consumer trends. See you there. Today's episode is brought to you by the University of San Francisco. USF's new Masters in Applied Economics combines econ training with practical skills and data analytics. All geared towards helping you understand and analyze today's new digital economy. Their curriculum covers skills like R and Python, machine learning, and experimental design, plus topics like the economics of platforms, auctions, pricing, and competitive business strategy. To learn about joining the Fall 2019 inaugural class, TechBuzz listeners can visit usfca.edu/techbuzz. So I've always known the plastic surgery industry in China is big, but do you have any idea how big, Yingying? Well, Americans spent more than sixteen point five billion dollars on plastic surgery and minimally invasive procedures last year. That's from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, and that includes your usual catalog of nose jobs, boob jobs, tummy tucks, etc., as well as Botox, fillers, and even laser hair removal. According to the International Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, the U.S. has consistently been the country with the most number of surgeries performed, and last year it was followed by Brazil, Japan, Italy, and Mexico. I was personally a little surprised not to see South Korea on that list. But it does have a smaller population, and these are not per capita numbers. Also, those are not necessarily even the right numbers to look at. I mean, you don't see China in the top five either, right? But in So Young's perspectives, research firm Frost and Sullivan apparently thinks the market in China was nearly eighteen billion dollars in 2018. Wouldn't that have made it number one? Not to mention, So Young's own 2018 State of the Industry report pegs the market size in China at an even larger 33 billion dollars. What's going on here? I actually don't know, but the only way this could work is if the quote-unquote medical aesthetic service industry that So Young speaks of includes more than just nose jobs and Botox. 
It's hard to get an exact definition, but if you take the most popular definition of quote specialties that focus on improving cosmetic appearance unquote, which is pretty general indeed, and add to it procedures like permanent makeup or chemical peels. Then it makes sense that we can get to that larger market size. Yeah, in Chinese, this field is known as yi liao mei rong or yi mei, which can also be translated as medical cosmetology, which gets farther and farther away from licensed medicine. Included in this broad category are hair removal, hair transplants, and all kinds of lasers and ultrasound things that might tighten skin, eviscerate fat, brighten your complexion, or whatever else people want done to their bodies. Some of those procedures sound like they are barely more complex than your normal spa treatment these days, which often already use pretty advanced machinery. I mean, I've done laser hair removal, and I wouldn't have thought of it to be remotely in the same category as plastic surgery. There you go. I guess I'm an e-mail client too. Yeah, if we define it this way, then China is already the second largest market in the world, and it's poised to become the first by 2021. Or at least, again, that's what Frost and Sullivan says. And that's the market opportunity CEO and founder Jin Xing saw six years ago when he started Soyang. Jin Xing, not to be confused with the transgender celebrity in China who has. Undergone many reconstructive and plastic surgeries, is just turning forty years old next month, and has been a tech geek his whole career, like many of the other founders we covered here on Tech Buzz. He began his career as a developer at Tom.com, which is a media platform from Web 1.0 days in China. For those of you who remember, he then tried to start his own company in 2007, but ran head-on into the financial crisis. After that failure, he went to work at Tencent Pay and a social commerce startup before leaving to try his luck at entrepreneurship again by launching SoYoung.com in 2013. According to Jinxing, plastic surgery is in his blood because it's his mother's profession. His mother actually performed his older sister's double eyelid surgery, although he himself did not undergo any procedures until he started SoYoung. But one has to dog food one's own product, right? So he began with some face slimming shots, and then did some hair transplants, injectable hyaluronic acid, all the while writing about his experiences in his beauty diary on the Soyoung app and accumulating nearly half a million fans. Everyone, by the way, knew that this plastic surgery enthusiast was the founder. It probably helped build user trust. He even agreed to have some of the procedures filmed as part of a popular entrepreneurship documentary. I mean, the guy's a real advocate for medical cosmetology. He wants to normalize the procedures because, to many people, it's still not an acceptable way to improve your appearance. Jin Xiong thinks it's unfair that if you become prettier through exercise and diet, everyone congratulates you, but if you did it through some medical procedure, then everyone looks down on you. Everyone should have a shot at becoming more beautiful. He thinks the real problem, according to him, wasn't the procedures; it was the warped market dynamics and information asymmetry that made it expensive, complex, and unsafe to get them done. And that was So Young's mission, or is So Young's mission, to make it less costly, simpler. And safer for users to undergo medical cosmetic procedures. So has So Young succeeded at this? Well, maybe. It's 
certainly done okay as a standalone business. And that's because so much of the revenues generated by the medical cosmetology industry is going into customer acquisition. About a quarter of that revenue, in fact. In dollar terms, that means in 2018, $4.6 billion was spent on customer acquisition. And what's great for companies like Soyoung is that over half of it was spent online last year. Of course, a lot of it probably went to search engines and the like, but targeted platforms like Soyoung would for sure be a preferred channel. Search engine Baidu, by the way, is also a key beneficiary. While I always knew that something like one-third of Baidu's search revenues come from healthcare, what I didn't realize was that half come from Yimei. And Soyoung has grown along with that market. In 2016, Soyoung's advertising revenue was not even $3 million, and barely over one-third of total revenues, with the bulk of sales coming from reservation services. And by now, that situation has totally reversed itself. Now it's reservation services that make up one-third of the revenues, while advertising gets the lion's share. As we already mentioned, So Young has just these two revenue sources. And they do exactly what you think they do. Advertising, which is typically impression-based, or via paid articles on its social media, and reservations, on which they take a percentage as commission payment, usually about 10%. Soyoung is quick to point out that their definition of commission is quite expansive and extends to not just the actual online booking, but all bookings made by that particular customer with a particular service provider for the lifetime of the user. That's right. As long as the user got to know the provider through Soyoung, then Soyoung's contract stipulates that forevermore, all procedures done by the provider for the user is subject to So Young's commission rake. This is obviously important because for many people, medical cosmetic procedures are not one-time done occurrences. While it's true that many users get addicted to beautification and get more and more work done, there's also just the simple fact that a fair amount of procedures, particularly the non-invasive kind, require regular maintenance and upkeep. That's true. Your typical Botox and acid treatments are generally only good for half a year. And according to So Young, 92% of customers return again for additional procedures within three to six months. Most customers cannot accept becoming quote-unquote ugly again, so they will happily reach for their wallets if it works well the first time. If you ask me, Soyoung is so very smart to hold on to these recurring revenues. In this way, I suppose it can be argued that Soyoung is not just doing just pure lead generation, but has a genuine incentive to have its customers be happy with the service provider they pick. They only win big when customer satisfaction is high. And for a company with nearly 900 people, They actually only have 22 customer service personnel, which I'm going to interpret as them providing a pretty good customer experience generally. That's a good point. In addition, I was thinking it's just all PR, but maybe there is something to the point that Jinxing made about this industry needing a bit more educated staff than many of the other Chinese internet companies, and this being a sort of barrier to entry. Right. The product is less standardized because, let's face it, healthcare is a very personal product, and everyone's body is different. But most especially when we're talking about cosmetic surgery, no two procedures are going to be exactly alike. Obviously, 
I'm not super convinced that means So Young's employees need to be very knowledgeable medically, although that's what Jinxing is claiming. But I do believe that if the product and processes were poorly designed, for example, if the experts on the app were not vetted properly and gave really crappy advice, then yeah, So Young wouldn't be able to survive for very long. After all, this is an area rife with lawsuits. And while So Young has not been totally horrific at keeping away the quacks and cheats from their platform, it certainly hasn't succeeded entirely. There are plenty of lawsuits against the company for recommending and endorsing practitioners who are of uh, questionable ability and ethics. But I do think this is difficult to pin on So Young entirely, because as long as they have the proper licenses, it doesn't make sense for So Young to ban them from the platform, does it? They're just an app after all, not regulators. Yep. So Young's argument is that the user reviews in the app will reveal the bad actors, and as long as that process is fair, then the truth will always come through. Sounds reasonable, unless you're one of the victims of such a clinic where you come out missing a piece of your face, or looking more like Freddy Krueger than Diane Krueger. Well, going under the knife itself is a huge risk anyway, so I think I'm with So Young on this issue. But So Young has many other allegations against it that are far more sinister and harder to shrug off, including many reports of bribery. It's not uncommon to hear of such issues, especially when advertising sales are involved as we saw in our own deep dive on ByteDance, who suffers from some of the same allegations. So I am not too surprised. There are also other allegations of corruption that we won't bother explaining here, but you can go back to our episode 36 on the risks of doing business in China to get a good sense of what could be happening. What investors might find more worrisome are accusations that the company is faking its data, such as the time when some reporter exposed one So Young user ID for having gotten 33 nose jobs and for spending over $100,000 per month. That is a pretty crappy job at fraud. 33 nose jobs? Are you kidding me? Of all the procedures to fake, that's the one they chose to fake? Oh my god. But yes, okay, these allegations do not help the So Young bears who think that the company's financials are problematic and that the 92% repeat buying rate we cited earlier is way too high. The bears also bring up a good point, which is that if So Young is doing so well, then why did it need to rush to IPL after raising three separate venture rounds over a period of just nine months last year? Again, we are not auditors here, so we don't know what the truth is either. And it's definitely not rare for Chinese companies, especially those that are growing very quickly, as So Young has been, to have their numbers come under scrutiny. So take those with a grain of salt. But it's always good to be skeptical. Finally, aside from being accused of faking numbers, So Young was also hit with a few dozen lawsuits from celebrities who claim that their image had been used without their permission for marketing purposes. But if you ask me, that is hardly an existential risk for the company. No consumers will be running away because Angela Baby comes out and says that no, she did not get a nose job through So Young's platform. True, no one cares because everyone knows she's had so much surgery anyways. So out of all the legal risks we just listed, 
the first one, where procedures go bad and consumers sue, claiming that So Young didn't properly protect them from bad doctors, is probably still the most harmful and actually capable of seriously damaging So Young's reputation. Honestly, if you ask me, the market is just still growing so fast that So Young and everyone else in this category can make quite a few mistakes and still make it. And the VCs know it. One of its closest competitors, Gengmei, which means more beautiful, also raised more money recently, to the tune of $50 million last summer, led by Meitu, China's most popular selfie beauty app. Right. In fact, So Young's annual State of the Medical Cosmetology Industry Report shows that on a per capita basis, China still has room to grow six times before catching up to neighbor South Korea, a leader in artificial beauty. The same report also says that about 20 million Chinese people underwent cosmetic procedures in 2018, and that almost two-thirds, or 64%, were born after 1990. 19% were born after the year 2000, meaning that they were under 19 years old. Okay, that's a little terrifying. I mean, aren't you still riding out the tail end of puberty at that point? As Chinese people like to say, your facial features are still in flux. There's still lots of baby fat going on. It's a bit crazy to me that the percentage of those under 19 getting surgery went up from 15 to 19% in the last two years in China. That makes me sad because they're going to look back at those days and realize how beautiful they are years later. Or maybe not. So Young's report also showed that most people were either supportive or neutral towards plastic surgery. Only 16% were vehemently opposed, with another 18% professing that they don't care, and 25% who were avid supporters. The rest were okay with these elective procedures as long as they weren't overboard, and 5% were courageous enough to consider invasive surgeries. I'm with the 84% who are neutral or supportive. It's not my face, nor my body. Why do I care if everyone else is simply trying to be more beautiful? I mean, hey, maybe it really does give them the confidence they need. A recent survey claimed that plastic surgery ranked number seven on the eight major ways Chinese females build confidence. Of course, that survey was sponsored by So Young, so I would put a big asterisk next to those results. I agree. Everyone should be able to make their own decisions. But it is worrying when looks become such an established part of society that it isn't just part of dating, which most people can accept, but formalized into hiring processes. And that's something we want to highlight is happening, or is still happening, should we say, in China today. It's getting better, but it's still pretty normal to see job ads that have, as part of the job requirements, good looks. I mean... They might euphemistically put it forth as zheng, which can be loosely translated as having a pleasant appearance, but everyone knows what they're really saying is be as good-looking as possible. Yes, there was a stink raised around tech giants having such language in their job ads last year, but if you're walking around China, you'll see that lots of ads for restaurant or hotel staff that are posted on the windows will say not only pleasant appearance, but also have age and height requirements. This is what South Koreans call lookism in their own job market. 
In Chinese, people call it jianzhijingji, or appearance economics. And this is not a crazy assertion. In 2015, surveys showed that 49% of plastic surgeries were for 工作需要, or quote-unquote needs of the job. Now, it's possible the survey was super unscientific, but assuming basic survey protocols were followed, that is a very high number of job-necessitated procedures, more than double the next popular reason, which was making my partner happy at just 23%. Sounds awful, right? Well, the good news is that in just three years, attitudes have changed. When the same survey was given in 2018, the number one response at 57% was to make myself happy. Now, I don't know if that's the right way to go about it, and I'm not sure that's healthier than doing it for your job, but some have interpreted this as more empowerment, especially for females who still do make up the bulk of customers. Yes, we are still the bulk, but men are catching up. Men make up 11% of email clients, but spend almost three times as much on average. I'm actually not surprised by that. Hair transplants, by far the most popular procedure for men, are expensive. What might surprise you is the income distribution of the customers. You'd think that this market is for the highly affluent. But again, if so many young people are doing it, and as we've already said, there's rampant beauty discrimination, even in, or should we say, especially in non-desk, non-white-collar jobs, then maybe you won't be shocked by the statistic that almost 50% of Yimei customers are making less than $1,500 a month, which is a very average income in urban China. Barely middle class, really. But maybe that's why they're so incentivized to spend a few thousand dollars on themselves, because it has the capacity to change their lives. Speaking of changing lives, I do think we should mention that changing my fate is the reason given by 4% of patients in So Young's survey last year, down from 12% in 2015. It's still a small percentage of people, but it's nonetheless a strong consideration for many Chinese. How can plastic surgery change your fate, you ask? Well, in Chinese culture, there is the belief that your face, xiang as in the literal distribution and shape of your features, the contours of your face, the placement of blemishes or beauty marks, well, these can all determine the trajectory of your life. It's just one of those lingering superstitions with no logical basis, but plenty of people in China subscribe to it. Yeah, this is a real thing. Ray herself downloaded So Young this week to do research for this episode, and they have this camera function called a face test that's pretty hilarious. It detects where all of your features are and gives you the ratios, for example, of the distance between your eyes and nose and lets you know what your score is in terms of how smart you look, how mature, i.e. old you look, how distant, i.e. haughty you look. I got the goddess face. Which sounded pretty good to me until I realized that what it's really saying is that my score is sort of in the middle for all three. I.e., I look old, but not too old, smart, but not too smart, and just a little approachable. Those three being the primary attributes that I guess Chinese women care about. 
You can also click on any of the other faces that you want to look more like. For example, a Wang Hong or internet celebrity face, a Korean style face, a Japanese style face, whatever. And then it will show you the procedures it recommends and also show you what you'd look like post surgery. And this being China, one of the options is Hao Jia Lian or very marriageable face. Another option is Bian Tong Ming or become smarter, but which I believe they probably mean not actually altering my IQ, but just looking like I did. According to the app, I only have to do three surgeries to look smarter, but they suggest seven for capturing a husband. Guess I'm going to be dumb and single for a while. You guys might be laughing, but this is a popular marketing tactic. Apparently, there are specific facial features that are more likely to bring you a prosperous life. Or if you're targeting females, maybe you focus on their partner instead by selling them a Wang Fu Lian, roughly translated as a face that gives your husband a prosperous life. Guo Jingjing, a multi time Olympic champion diver who married very rich, is well known for having such a face. Her continued good luck in life literally had people going to clinics asking to look like her for good fortune, even though she's not actually considered super attractive. But enough about silly superstitions already. Ugh, I'm tired of them. It's time to wrap up this episode and summarize exactly what's going on with the crazy world of medical aesthetic procedures in China. So, what did we learn today, Yingying? We learned today that this is a multi billion, and we're talking about at least an $18 billion market in China alone. In addition to plastic surgery, this sector also includes non invasive procedures such as Botox and even less technical procedures like permanent makeup. Basically, anything that uses any kind of medical knowledge or expertise for the purpose of making someone more beautiful. It's also incredibly fast growing, with the entire industry projected to grow at least 20% and up to 40% every year for the next few years. And because most of it, like 95% of it, is still occurring offline, so the opportunity to capture the online medical cosmetology market is actually tremendous. No wonder then that several dozen companies addressing exactly that were founded in the last few years. With a few of them, like So Young, Xin Yang, and Geng Mei, Ai Geng Mei, raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And So Young, the topic of today's episode, even went IPO last week on the NASDAQ. Most of the demand for these procedures are being driven by young females, particularly the under 30s, who make up almost two thirds of customers. Males are fast growing, but still make up just over 10% of customers. Either way, surveys show that society has become more and more tolerant of such procedures, and that the primary reason people undergo them is to make themselves happy. Well, then, Shanghainese people must be very happy because they top the list for procedures done in China, followed by Beijing, then third, Chengdu, Homa pandas, and spicy Sichuan food. I find that a bit odd because Chengdu has always been known as a land of pretty girls. But maybe there's a pressure to uphold the stereotype. Or they're just doing it for their jobs, at least in China and neighboring South Korea, where many people think career success is correlated with beauty, leading to what you can either call lookism or appearance economics in these two countries. 
Are apps such as So Young part of the problem or part of the solution? Well, if you ask CEO Jinxing, whose own mother is a plastic surgeon, he thinks that one day when So Young is so successful that everyone is able to undergo whatever procedure they want to because it's become so cheap and so easy to be beautiful, the world will actually become a more fair place. Because everyone is beautiful, so there will be less discrimination. So Young does claim that out of the 400 procedures it has on its app, Online costs have decreased an average of 29% over the last three years. That's because Soyoung has made the market a lot more transparent, so unscrupulous service providers can't take advantage of information asymmetry. What do you think? Do you agree that Soyoung is indeed making the world a more equal place? Vote on our Twitter poll and let us know what you think. All right, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, episodes will now be available every other Friday instead of on Wednesdays. We really enjoy putting this together, and we're always open to any of your comments or suggestions. You can always find us on Twitter at ThePanDaily, at TechBuzzChina, and my personal Twitter account is spelled G-I-N-Y, G-I-N-Y. And my Twitter is spelled R-U-I-M-A. Tech Buzz China by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. Pandaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Sha Wan and Kaiser Guo. Our interns are Wang Wenglu and Mindy Xu. See you in two weeks. <laughs>